Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to In Living Color Abroad, and I'm your host, Angel Rodriguez. And on this episode, you'll be listening to Will DeBoer, who is my cousin. And Will is going to talk to us about sneaker culture abroad. Now, Will has worked with SneakerCon for 11 years, and SneakerCon is a sneaker convention and business that has over 3 million followers on social media. And at these events and conventions, people can buy, sell, and trade sneakers. Now, Will's going to discuss what it's like to work for SneakerCon. He will discuss sneaker culture in various countries he's traveled to, like China, Japan, Australia, England. And we talk about the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, and the influence that has had on sneakers. And finally, why he does what he does. Hope you enjoy. This is A Living Color Abroad. Right, Will. Welcome to Living Color Abroad. How you doing, Cuz? Good, man. Good. You know, just surviving in the quarantine life and uh, trying to stay busy, trying to stay motivated. I hear you, man. You're, you're the first family member to uh, be on my show, so this is this is pretty cool. <laughs> That's what's up. Yeah, I'm definitely the most successful. So you, you really have the money. <laughs> Funny, you got the jokes. All right, so let's start, Will. So tell us. Our listeners, a little bit about yourself. All right, man. So, you know, I'm from New York. As you know, if you know your host, you know, we're cousins <laughs> from New York, Brooklyn mainly, Queens all over. And, uh, yeah, man, I've been working with SneakerCon since it started back in 2009. Uh, you know, initially it was just a few sneakerheads trying to trying to make a place to come together and just, you know, share the passion and also try to access, you know, collections and, and rare shoes. And then, you know, year after year, it just snowballed into this this huge culture. You know, we grew with the culture, but we, we've also, you know, done a lot to nurture it and help it grow in a lot of places. So, yeah, man, it's been it's been great. So so let's talk about that, right? So obviously, you know, for those that are listening, SneakerCon is like, you know, conventional people where, you know, attendees could buy and sell their sneakers, correct? Like, and you have vendors and stuff like that. Yeah, so, you know, initially, I would say probably the first, like, we've been around 11 years doing events. First, like, eight years, I would say, is mostly just events and, you know, people going to them. You know, vendors come, they bring out their collections. And everybody who comes to the event is allowed to bring their own shoes. So that's, like, the key because, mm-hmm. you know, there's always been people trying to do, like, sell- selling events where vendors come and then people just come to buy from them. But that was kind of one-sided. So for us, it was always about trying to fuel this economy. And the more shoes in the building, the more people are going to make sales and then shop with the other vendors and stuff like that. So you create like this little economy within that building and everybody brings their shoes. And it's just, you know, it's always a good time, positive energy. Everybody's always kind of hustling. But uh, two years ago, we actually released uh, our iOS app. Uh, which is a live marketplace, you know, digitally. Like, mm-hmm. so p- sellers can list their shoes for sale on the SneakerCon app and SneakerCon.com, and people buy on there, and, and there's a lot of the same type of, you know, engagement happening digitally now uh, as as it does at the events. But, um, yeah, man, so, you know, we're doing a little bit of, of everything in sneakers now, but the events especially, you know, it's kind of like how we've 
rode this wave of uh, and the growth of the culture, and we've been trying to bring it to new new places abroad and grow the culture. You know, and that I, way. And I'm glad you mentioned that because obviously people are wondering. Angel, why the hell are you talking about sneakers on your podcast about in living color abroad? So, so the reason why, and like you said, sneaker kind of like last I checked has like three three million followers on social media. So obviously, you guys are doing a lot of things right. You know, when it comes to like your following and like you know connecting with with, with fans and all this other stuff, which is obviously dope. So let's talk about that 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 uh, abroad, right? That international component. So, how many countries have you personally been to uh, through SneakerCon, like through this job? Uh, honestly, a number off the top. I, I will have to run down the list for you, which is a little <laughs> bit easier because I could go back to like when we started, right? So mm-hmm. in 2017, uh, we started really thinking about and and taking you know taking SneakerCon abroad. Uh, we started taking it very seriously, and the first place we were able to do it, where you know there was not 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 that much of a cultural boundary, and we could actually communicate. You know, and let people know what to expect from the senior con event and kind of build that anticipation was in London, right? People mm. speak English there. That's kind of an easy transition. And also the London fashion scene, you know, it, you know it's really up there right now with, with, with uh, Paris and New York and, and L.A. You know, London is right there with it. So it was a natural fit. We go to London. At the same time, we're already planning other events. So we were planning uh, uh, Melbourne, Australia uh, at the time. We were planning China, which took us two years to actually achieve. So now you know, like when the cultural boundary, you know, is is there, it it takes more time and more planning and building teams out there of people that, that, you know, rock with us and understand what we're trying to do. So in 2017, we did London, we did Melbourne, Australia, uh, and we actually did Hong Kong, which was really, really huge. Uh, and I believe we hit uh, Germany as well. So we started in 2017 going abroad and started really feeling out, like, how far along in sneaker culture all these different places were. So how would you describe sneaker culture? Is it better abroad? Is it different? Who's more? It's more so, like, who's been influenced earlier and, and where along that timeline, you know, of knowledge and, and, and the culture expanding are they? So when you ask, like, you know, where's London senior culture versus U.S.? or mm-hmm. It's really about, like, when we went to a certain place, where they were. So, you know, London, for example, London's sneaker culture has been there for a long time. They, they wear different stuff uh, initially. Like, they used to like uh, trainers a lot. So, like, uh, Air Max 1, really big out there. Uh, Air Trainer 1's super huge. Harachis are very big out there. Naturally, like just from what they mm-hmm. liked from back in the day, whatever Nike was releasing, that's what they originally liked. You go to New York, you got the Air, you know, Air Force Ones, you got uh, Air Phone Posits, things like that that were like really New York. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to, to places that that were very early in in the sneaker culture, they have those iconic pairs that like they're known for. Uh, West Coast, LA, you know, it's always Nike mm-hmm. SB in the early 2000s, so skateboarding and stuff. So, you know, they, the places that have been around the longest with sneakers, Japan has always been Jordan 1s and things like that. So those places have those iconic pairs that they could kind of relate the whole sneaker culture to. Mm-hmm. And then there's places that, that just learned, like, that sneakers were a thing and a, and a thing to collect, you know, maybe three, four years ago. So in those places, by that time, you know, social media had already sort of blew up. You know, now the access to know, like, what's super limited and what's really, really, like, quote-unquote cool, everyone knows now. Before, you had to kind of go out there, 
you know, seek that. Like, whatever hobby you were into, if you were collecting comic books, you had to be at that comic book store every mm -hmm. day to know, you know, what was dropping, what was limited series, and things like that. With sneakers, it was the same. So let's talk so, about you know, that. Let's talk about, yeah. so, so for those that are like, you know, probably like lost in this whole like sneakerhead culture, you know what I'm saying? Because obviously it's a whole, it's a, first of all, it's a very successful business, right? Like, and it's a, you know, and it's a culture, like you said, a sneakerhead culture. So how would you explain it to people, like why people gravitate towards this? Man, it, it, you know, that's such a kind of broad, it's such a big answer. And the reason is because now today there exists so many more reasons why people buy shoes, right? Like if you go back to, you know, Michael Jordan, when the Jordans were first releasing, at first it was just people that actually played a sport. It was a functional product. You know, not everybody owned a pair of sneakers. And if you owned a pair of sneakers, it was because you liked to go running or, you know, you had a job that required you to, like, you know, run, you know walk all day, be on your feet. But it was all function. It was, nobody was buying shoes. Nobody owned multiple pair of athletic <laughs> shoes. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that wasn't a thing. So at first, it was purely functional. You still have those people today. Mm -hmm. You have, you know, people that just go to Foot Locker and buy the best running shoe every year. And But they're aware of what the new running shoes are, what the new technology is for running. And those are sneakerheads as, as well. Don't, you know, don't get it twisted. It's not just about the hype. Mm -hmm. It's not just about all that you know, collecting or selling them. Like, there's people that actually still buy it to wear it and to... For, for that purpose to, to play sports right mm -hmm. then you have the fashionistas you know the people that learn like oh man i want to be like mike obviously i'm not gonna be in the nba i don't even play basketball <laughs> but i just want to have that swagger that he has mm -hmm. you know what i mean he wears that that white red and black like like crazy like it just stood out it had this sort of you know nostalgia to it and people learned really quickly that you could wear those shoes and and everybody on the street and be like, oh man, those you know, those are those new Michael Jordan sneakers. Like Nike wasn't even a thing back then. It was all about Puma, Converse, Adidas. Mm -hmm. You know, those were all the big contracts in the NBA. Like, so when he came out with the Nikes and it was like that off brand, people were were like crazy for it because it was that there was just that feeling like nobody else in the league is even wearing these shoes. Mm -hmm. You know, I could actually be like Mike if I walked down the street wearing these shoes. So those were like the fashionistas. Then you had the memorabilia heads. You know, sports fans. They might not play basketball. They don't give a. They don't care how they dress. But they were like, "This guy's amazing. You know, he's breaking all the records. He has every accolade. I'm gonna start just buying these shoes and just having them there, just like if I would have his autograph or his rookie card. You know what I mean? Those mm -hmm. were like the diehard collectors that were just buying it to keep it on ice. Then little by little, obviously a collector is keeping it on ice is aware that like this limited product has a value, and slowly but surely those collectors start becoming resellers. Those start to become the guys that are just buying sneakers for the purpose of making a profit. And, you know, those guys really, really were able to feed the culture because those were the guys on, on chat forums back in the day, you know, talking about sneakers, showing pictures, saying, yo, these came out, these are super limited. And they were spreading all the information and they were creating that sort of desire and that value in a really underground culture. Fast forward. So that's, that's four reasons, right, why people buy shoes. You got the performance, you got the fashion, you got collecting, cause, and then you got resale because, mm -hmm. you, you know, the value. And now there's something phenomenal that's happened that is sort of an evolution of the fashionista and the collector, which is the hype beast, right? We call them hype beasts. It's just like because there's such hype around these shoes and people who don't know about the culture – 
would question like why is somebody paying two thousand dollars for a pair of sneakers yeah. <laughs> why is someone paying even five hundred dollars or four hundred dollars so you know there's this hype and people who don't even know about sneakers are hearing about them that hype creates a reason to buy it because someone's like i don't even know why these shoes are so expensive but i want to you know people always want to have the flyest things and and special items and be unique so the hype piece is also, you know, you're buying it, but you don't even have a reason. You're not, not necessarily trying to make money. Mm-hmm. You're not, like, you haven't been collecting anything for, for your whole life. So, you know, you're <laughs> just buying it because you saw a picture, you saw your favorite influencer uh-huh. posting it, and, and it created that desire. So now you're buying it. But literally, that per- a lot of those guys, they'll just buy it, they'll take a photo and post it on their Instagram and say, hey, I got these. And then they'll go and sell them for the next pair. Mm-hmm. So they don't really even care about the story. They don't care about you know, the long-term value. They don't care that it's performance-based. Those people just want to take that photo, get that credit online, in social media, and, you know, then they'll go sell it, get rid of it. So that's that's a whole nother, like, point of demand uh, reason for people buying shoes. So it's just, look, now, even nowadays, you got people who, let's say gamers, right, who are just playing Fortnite all day in their room, a lot of these kids two, three years ago, they didn't know what was so special about sneakers either. They didn't. They weren't the kids collecting sneakers, dressing fly, trying to go to school, you know, the, the captain of the basketball team. These kids were like gamers, you know what I'm saying? They would rather be at home all day in their room, you know, playing video games for 24 hours. So, but now you have a game like Fortnite that, that's multi-platform and brought everybody together. And now you have like Travis Scott collaborating with them, doing a live concert on there. You know, mm. a lot of merchandise releases because of the collaboration. And now you got people buying shoes because it's just associated, mm. not even to the original, like Michael Jordan, not to that influencer, yeah, not yeah. the OG influencer, but somebody new that they've tied to it that has even more of a, you know, social wow. media impact than yeah. even a Michael Jordan. Mm. So. Man, I could go on and I mean, on. It, so like, basically, it, it just keeps evolving, right? It just keeps evolving into something and to something, like you said, attracting new people, like you said, and obviously, like, this being an international thing. So I want you to think, of, like, let's go right back to the international component. What was a place yeah, yeah. a place you went to where you were, like, blown away, where, like, yo, they're, like, they're crazy for sneakers here, too? Like, what, what place surprised you when you went? Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, it wasn't a surprise. I was kind of expecting it. But, you know, when we went to Hong Kong in 2017... Um, it was, it was, we learned a lot geographically, you know, Hong Kong is a very small region, um, sort of, you know, operating politically kind of, kind of independent to China, but they're still kind of run by China. Mm -hmm. Think of it like Puerto Rico, you know, to the U S. Um, so Hong Kong is sort of this economic hub, um, where the British were able to like go when there was like a closed door policy in the rest of China, Hong Kong was a place the British were able to go and do trade you know, trade with the Chinese, but it was sort of like this this haven, right, for, for economic mm-hmm. uh, 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 finance and trade. And then fast forward to today with sneakers, we got there and we found exactly the same thing. Hong Kong happens to be the place where a lot of Chinese resellers ship to and from because it's a lot cheaper than shipping to China. You, pay, you, you don't pay the duties that you would pay if you were shipping to China. So it's become this hub for sneakers, uh, you know, in that region. And when we went there, you know, the event, there wasn't that many sellers because all the sellers were in China. And it was hard for them to bring their collections across the border to Hong Mm. Kong. So we had a very small, small group of like, you know, 50 vendors. 
But those vendors, the collections that they brought out, I mean, there was a guy that just had Adidas shoes going back all the way to the 1930s, Olympic what? shoes. <laughs> like, this guy had... This guy had the original like like soccer balls. Wow. Uh, uh, Adidas like like st- like you know like pigskin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it was another guy had like Nike skateboarding uh, Nike SB shoes. He had the Nike Dunks. I'm talking about shoes that were like one of a hundred back in 2002 2003 when Nike SB was popping. This guy would have like 20 pairs stacked up of a shoe that cost like two two grand at the time. Wow. This guy's got 10 to 20 pairs of different ones, just stacked, collection. He wasn't even looking to sell any of them. He was just trying to show off his collection. Mm. He just wanted to show the world that he's been in Hong Kong all these years collecting all this stuff. So it was just a very different feel. They didn't really have that resale mentality in terms of like the kids. Like the kids mm. that paid to get into the event, they didn't really bring shoes to trade. They didn't have that mentality. But you do have some of the biggest resellers, like like group of guys that, that moves a lot of shoes in that region. So that was a place that blew me out away in terms of the, the collections that were displayed um, and the passion. The kids that came, they were looking for products to buy, but there wasn't enough because of all the collectors being in China at the time. Uh, and China especially. The last, last year we were able to do two events in China, Shanghai and uh guangzhou guangzhou is a region a city in in southern china and these places man like whatever we saw in hong kong two years ago just exponentially grow that to like the 15th power like whoa <laughs> like it's just, i'm talking about like twenty thousand people you know just people buying at, at, at the sneaker kind of it twenty thousand people yeah, about wow. 20,000 people in, in Guangzhou and in, in Shanghai, it was about like 14,000. And that was just because we had to actually, for the first time, we sold out of tickets. Like, we weren't selling tickets wow. for the event <laughs> because there was so many people and we just needed to make sure that we could get them all in. Um, so, you know, the culture has just expanded so much. Some places have been able to get to the level of, you know, some of our U.S. shows. Uh, just quickly, like like because of social media and influencers and things like mm-hmm. that. So you know the international community is pretty lucky because everything just you know they have access to everything now, um, and, and it happens so fast. That's so crazy. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm sure for those that are listening that are not into sneaker culture, it's like wow, this is like a a fucking worldwide business that you said keeps evolving <laughs> and like it's just ever flowing like it's gonna it's just not gonna stop it's gonna keep going so what is your what is like your when you go abroad what is like your day-to-day basically or like you know whatever however many days you're there what do you do so when it comes to the events you know I, i handle a lot of the production so starting with before the events you know i'm laying out the floor plan pretty much the decorator for the event like big big conventions they use they hire third party like decorators and those decorators are the ones talking to like the union laborers, you know, who are building the booths and doing all the work at the events. So for us, you know, wherever we don't, we aren't forced contractually to hire a decorator. I'm pretty much that decorator. Uh, I laid down floor plans, you know, and then when we get in there the days before the event, I'm working with all the, all the different staff and workers to build the show. So, you know, before mm-hmm. any, any big convention, you have a, certain, a few days of building. So during those building days, you know, I'm pretty much production, you know, coordinator, manager, making sure that everything looks the way we need it to look, making sure that, you know, 
there's egress, making sure that, you know, the fire marshals, all their rules are met, you know, so it's a big, big production sort of responsibility from that end. And then once, once the event like opens, I kind of shift gears and I, and I'm more of like, you know, kind of the spokesperson and host, I'm on the stage, you know, doing interviews, uh, uh, you know, talking and building relationships with influencers, collectors, sellers, uh, and just really, you know, speaking for our business and, and really letting people know what the message is and what we're really trying to do, um, which is really just build the culture. Like for us, you know, a lot of people jump in, jumped into this because they're like, oh, wow, there's money in sneakers. You know, I need to figure out how can I get into sneakers? And obviously buying and selling them is the, is the easiest way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you start understanding the culture and that, you know, these, these sneakerheads, these hobbyists uh, in a way, they have a lot of other needs. So, you know, you got sneaker cleaning brands and all types of, you know, lateral lateral businesses that have come up because of sneakerheads and the culture being so big that it just built markets for like other products. Um, so for me, you know, I'm on I'm on site, you know, and, and from everything from from just like building the brand and doing conversations on stage and entertaining, you know, and creating activations at the event, um, to even security. You know, if somebody sells a fake pair of shoes or somebody's in there selling fakes, you know, I'm in there, I'm mediating situations, I'm, you know, trying to make sure nobody gets scammed, and, you know, that becomes part of the job, too, during the events. Um, so it's a lot, you know, we, we yeah. we're not a, as huge a company as people think, we're still a startup in many ways, um, and our team is still pretty small, so, you know, we don't wear a lot of hats, mm. you know, and it's hard when people say, like, what do you do for SneakerCon? It's hard to to really put it into one title, one word, uh, because you know it's really just whatever the business needs in order to continue, you know, nurturing this culture. Um, and a lot of people think it's you know it's easy to just like you know build a business. Uh, uh, you know, people don't give enough credit to entrepreneurs that you know started up some of the biggest you know apps that we uh, you know and services that that we use today, mm-hmm. and they think that you know these guys these rich guys or whatever, but man, I'm telling you, I've been at this 11 years and I'm not even close to, or we're not even close to our vision for what we're, we're trying to build. So, mm. you know, it, it's, it's really a lot of work, but it's a decision, right? You make. Mm-hmm. So obviously, as you, I'm sure you've watched the last dance, right? So I've been watching yep. the last dance and it's just, you know, bringing them back a lot of nostalgia and all this other shit, you know, and I'm sure yeah. For people, you know, that grew up, people either grew up watching Michael Jordan or didn't grow up watching Michael Jordan that are younger, you know, they're like, oh my God, and, you know, it gives the sneaker more more of that value because now you're learning about the man himself, right? And the person that made this, yeah, yeah. a lot of the culture, right? What, you, what it is, you said, mentioned Nike, right? Michael Jordan, like, you know, it being from the functional part for the athletes, like, oh, I want to be like Mike. So yeah. what have you noticed since the last days have come out when it comes to the business oh. of Jordans? <laughs> Oh man, no! Honestly, week after week, every time an episode releases, there's certain models that just spike in price in the market like instantly. Wow! Honestly, and and then, you know, going back a few years, you know, just so you could see what I meant when I said that like different people are coming into the culture for for different reasons. And when you think about like the hype beast, you know, every original collector, every guy over thirty that that's loved this for so long you know, gets mad when these kids are buying it just to take a picture and say that they bought it and it was worth this much. And, you know, they, 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 for years, these guys have been saying that these kids are ruining the culture, that they never even saw Jordan play that, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and and saying all these things about the youth in the culture, 
But it was only a matter of time before, you know, history caught up and was was taught to them in a way that they could receive it. These kids are not going to go back on YouTube and look up, you know, the 1998 finals, game five. Like, they're not going to do that. Mm -hmm. They're going to go on YouTube and watch their favorite gamer or favorite sneakerhead showing them a new shoe or whatever. You know, they're not going to go do that. So for all these years, these kids were... They weren't really being exposed to who Michael Jordan was, why the shoes were so coveted, you know, from all those things I spoke about from the fashion side, the nostalgia, the history, the moments. You know, you got shoes that are called uh, a nickname based on the shot he took, based on the fact that he had the flu one game and dropped 48 (laughs) points. Like, you know, you have all these moments and these kids don't know those moments. They didn't know those moments, but now they're getting the chance to learn them. And every time somebody learns and watches that documentary, that's a new sneakerhead buying those old Jordans up from the market. So, you know, you got you got kids that came into the culture three years ago when the when the Adidas Yeezy started coming out. And that's their whole collection. Their whole collection is Adidas Yeezys. They got all the Yeezys. They know who Kanye West is. They listen to his music. They follow his wife. You know, like they, mm-hmm. you know, they know him. They know his story. And they, they're hyped by the fact that, you know, they own this piece of design that he took part in. But now you got these same kids now watching The Last Dance and learning about all these different Jordan shoes, what he did when he wore them. And then they're going the next day on the on the marketplaces and trying to buy these shoes that they never really valued before that you know what i mean so yeah what the og what the og sneakerheads were thinking was true but they just had to be patient you know with the media and you know with, with just these kids and their ability to really you know learn that information and watch jordan and and start thinking about those comparisons in their head with kobe and jordan and lebron and you know what those comparisons really mean to the the guys that have been following basketball and following sneakers for all these years um, and I wouldn't even consider myself like an OG sneakerhead because you know your uncle, your 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 brother Anthony, your your older brother Gabriel, like mm-hmm. they really you know brought me into this in a way. They were one of the one of the people. I had a few cousins that were older and were buying up you know certain shoes. And shout out to Anthony and Gabriel. <laughs> yeah, shout out, shout out to my cousins, man. Yeah. Uh, you know they were the fly ones. They were the ones that had money when I was twelve years old, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I hadn't started working, you know, doing food deliveries at my mom's restaurant, trying to make $20 a day just to buy a pair of Jordans. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the ones that were buying them every release because they were older and they had jobs and they were, you know, they weren't married yet and they were buying, they were mm-hmm. working to buy their, all the fly stuff that they wanted. Um, but that's where I got a lot of my influence originally, at least just the knowledge to know that sneakers are special. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. then eventually... You do enough window shopping at Foot Locker, and you start, <laughs> you start to learn every shoe model and every colorway and every release. And, yeah. You know, from there, it just, it just grew into this huge passion uh, for design, for, for basketball, uh, for, for, you know, the athletes and, and, and just this culture. So it's been a ride, man, for sure. Awesome. All right, I'm, I'm going to have some quick lightning uh, questions to finish this off. I just want All you to right. respond with the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Cool. Country that you want to go back to? Japan. Mm. Tell me a little bit more. Why? <laughs> I mean, you know, all these years of hearing from these guys I work with for 11 years, 
hearing about Japan and, and that they started there and that the resale there was crazy and the culture there was, was just on another level. And not, not just the culture of sneakers, but shopping culture, you know, technology. Um, you know, when you see him vending machines in the street for stuff that you'd be like, what the heck? Like, you know, like, uh, uh, like you buy a cell phone, you, you, you know, just all those, all those vending machines that you now see at the airport selling you like, yeah. you know, AirPods and, and crazy stuff like $400 items in a, in a vending machine that was going on in Japan for decades, like That's for crazy. decades. So the culture there was just so advanced, you know, now the rest of the world has sort of caught up. Um, because, you know, technology as, as well as culture expands pretty rapidly and exponentially. So gotcha. but Japan is just, it, it still has that, that cultural sort of, um, just, just that, you know, that, that ancient feel that, that, you know, I feel I'm out there, like I'm breathing the same air as the samurais, you know what mm, I mean? Like, gotcha. like, you know, oh, not, you know, not just that, but all those Japanese cultures that influenced me as an artist, as a designer, you know, from the Dragon Ball Z days mm-hmm. to the Pokemon days mm-hmm. to even just the, all the Nintendo games that we were playing, Word. you know, all of that, you know, came from these guys in Japan uh, who had this the, a different sort of vision. So, you know, so many things I was influenced by came from Japan. I go out there i'm like a kid in the candy store i'm telling you yeah, i can imagine I'm like, shit. I'm, I'm, I'm buying up dragon ball z toys and shit and I, i'm like what am i doing bro like i just bought a 50 dollar dragon ball z toy like why and and it's because like you know it just brings you back to being a kid it's yeah. those kind of things that 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 we were raised with uh, and that influence and it's a lot of it is from japan so that's one of the places you know this is supposed to be a lightning round but yeah that, you can <laughs> i should have asked you, know, you more <laughs> yeah, it's one of the places that like I, I really need to get back to gotcha all right so japan's well, all right underrated sneaker brand underrated sneaker brand man for me honestly i think it, it's not even underrated like i would say it's new balance what is your favorite Jordans. Which number? Jeez, man, that's <laughs> such a such a such a hard question. Um, you know, I always go back to my first pair, which I, I remember like it was yesterday. Um, it was in 1999 on my birthday. Uh, it was the Jordan 13s. Mm. Uh, he wore them all. He wore them all of 1998 during that last. Which that colorway? Last the black and red ones. Season. No, so it was actually the flint gray. So it's mostly white, oh. like navy blue. Oh, I remember those. Gray. Those are dope. Those are nice. So, <laughs> and it had the reflective side panel, you know. So yeah, those it, are nice. That shoe, you know, to me, like, you know, before that, you know, my mom was, you know, she would just go to, like, pay less, you know, and get me some shoes for the school year. Mm-hmm. And then little by little, you know, she started raising the budget, and I was able to get, like, a pair of Air Force <laughs> Ones for, like, $50, you know. But I wasn't able to get those $130 Jordan releases, you know, $120, yeah. uh, you know, different basketball shoes and all that with the technology in them. Um, so that shoe, you know, my dad, you know how my dad was, you know, I wouldn't see him for three months. And then on my birthday, he wants to just, what, what do you want? You know, like, and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I really want these shoes. And he's like, what the hell? Why am I going to pay this money? Why are you going to this? And then at the end of the day, he always had that response for everything because I would be like, yo, buy me the Super Nintendo. <laughs> and you know, what the hell, $200? Like, what is, you know? And then eventually he buys it because he's trying to make up for lost time or whatever. So, yeah. you know, that was that was sort of my end. Like, he, he got me in. He bought me that first pair. Yeah. Um, and then I was hooked. And I remember uh, that was, it, it was in City Line right there by your, by your old crib. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I and I you know I put the shoes on right there, right in the store. I walk to my mom's house to your crib, <laughs> and I'm going up the stairs. And and your brother Gabriel, he sees the he sees him and he's hating, and he's like, yo, he's like, yo, you fucking cre- creased him already. And I'm like, creased. <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm like, what the fuck you talking about? Like, <laughs> like creased. What am I supposed to do? Like, I gotta time, walk. Like, yeah, I gotta walk like a penguin and wear triple socks. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, so yeah, man. Like that was like, you know, that was my first like sneak ahead experience. And from there, you know, the next year. I, I started working. I started helping my mom in her restaurant and doing deliveries, making $20 here and there. And I saved up. And I actually got the Jordan 14s the year after. Mm. Uh, on my birthday, too, uh, it was the white and black pair. Mm. Uh, they call them, like, the forest green pair. But okay. it's got, like, a little, a little tiny little green thing. But they're mostly white and black. Uh, I bought that pair. And, man, when I tell you at the time, you know, you only bought one pair of shoes. So you dogged them. Like, by the yeah. time I got the 14s, <laughs> My thirteens were dog, bro. Like the soul, my toes coming out the corner and shit. <laughs> and final, final question, and and this one, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna time you for sixty seconds on this one. <laughs> but if you could just like sum up sneaker culture in in two in sixty seconds, be like, yo, like th- this is why I do what I do. Like this is why sneaker culture is vital, important. Anything you want to say in 60 seconds, I'll give you the floor. Go. Um, just from yourself, like, you know, your fashion sense and self-awareness. Like, if you if you don't know, just go out there, you know, try to get one of these limited edition shoes. You know, if you're paying more than what it costs in the store, that means it's special for, you know, has that value. Put it on your feet and go to your shopping center or wherever you live, wherever you're from. There's always a mall. Just go there, and I guarantee you, you're going to start a conversation someone is going to relate to you. Someone's going to point out your shoes. Someone's going to start a conversation about them. And that's everything. That's like, you know, you don't have to be a shy kid anymore. That could be the point of the conversation. Uh, and and then it goes from there. I mean, that's how you build relationships through this culture uh, and the shoes that you wear. And, and it's crazy to hear that. It doesn't sound real until you actually do it. So I would say go buy a pair of kicks and hit that hit that shopping center and see see how you feel. Awesome. You didn't even do 60 seconds. You did this shit like in 30. Look at this guy. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode of Will. I definitely did. It's pretty cool having my cousin on the podcast. And yeah, I'm sure I surprised a lot of people with this episode, you know, talking about sneakers. But I think it's important because as most of you have just found out if you listen to the episode is that this is truly a cultural phenomenon. What has happened with sneakers? And Will has been in it. You know, he's traveled all over the world and has seen this firsthand, what the, f- the cultural phenomenon is with sneakers. And you can thank one person for that, Michael Jordan. I mean, he started this whole movement of sneakers becoming, you know, a status symbol for people, not just as a functional thing that you wear to play basketball, but something that shows that you're hip and in it, you know? So it's just really cool to hear Will break it down like that. And yeah, hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Spotify and any of your other streaming platforms. As well as follow me on Instagram at InLivingColorAbroad. I do giveaways there every now and then, so check it out. See you next week. This is In Living Color Abroad. Peace. Peace.